welcome to the WSU Wheat Beat Podcast. I'm your host, Drew Lyon, and I want to thank you for joining me as we explore the world of small grains production and research at Washington State University. We have weekly discussions with researchers from WSU and the USDA ARS to provide you with insights into the latest research on wheat and barley production. My guest today is Dave Huggins. Dave is a USDA ARS soil scientist with the Northwest Sustainable Agroecosystems Research Unit in Pullman, Washington. Dr. Huggins conducts research in sustainable farming systems, including soil health and issues such as soil organic matter, soil acidification, soil fertility, and nutrient use efficiency. Hello, Dave. Yeah, good morning, Drew. One thing I've, I've uh, talking to a group of farmers, you know, um, well, there's different ways to bring, to achieve good soil health. I, I talk to uh, organic growers, and they have these very complex rotations. They do a lot of tillage, but they add organic matter a lot of times in various forms. Talk to a zero tiller. They don't till at all. Um, they feel like they're doing good things for the soil. So there, there must be multiple ways to, to improve soil health. Uh, do we know what management to suggest? Because um, if you say don't till, that might be one approach, but there might be some other approaches. Is that right? Or Am I, am I missing the point here? <laughs> well, that's a good question, Drew, and of course, you know it's complicated. I, I will preface everything by saying that, you know, I don't think we've, we've uh, discovered the perfect agriculture yet. And I actually uh, appreciate that there's different approaches to farming, you know. So I think that's important because it, it tends to, you know, diversify our systems out there. And we can look over the fence row at, you know, what the neighbor's doing or what someone else is doing in a different part of the country or the world. and and learn something about um, their particular farming practice. And so I think that's that's a, an interesting thing that keeps agriculture kind of exciting and new all the time. You know, so, you know, having prefaced that, um, it's one, I, I think it's, it's a really good sign that there are more farmers and actually the general public that are becoming more aware of soil and soil health. So from that standpoint, I appreciate that there's a discussion, <laughs> you know, from that mm -hmm. standpoint. And then if you start to, to uh, d dig a little bit deeper, so to speak, into that topic, then you can, you can start to uh, look at various kinds of management practices and how they are impacting the soil. And, you know, quite frankly, there's trade-offs here, you know, from the standpoint of, okay, if I do this particular practice, it may be good for this type of soil property, but it may be detrimental to another one. And so from that standpoint, here's where you get into the complexity of, okay, every site is unique again. It has a unique history from the standpoint of the soil that's there, and it's going to respond it may respond quite differently to different kinds of uh, practices, whether it be tillage or cropping systems. You know, in, in general, uh, there's different management strategies to increase organic matter. And, you know, if you consider that to be a key variable in your uh, farming system, um, you know, reducing tillage may be one way because tillage tends to to uh, stir the soil and kind of increase some of that microbial activity. They feed on the organic material and break it down and it gets respired as carbon dioxide, the carbon in the, in the organic matter gets respired. And so from that standpoint, this decomposition process kind of releases and, de and can decrease organic matter over time. But at the same time, you know, you want some of that soil to be 
active and turning over and providing nutrients at the same time. So a certain amount of decomposition is, is really desired and wanted. So where's the balance here from the standpoint of, of a decomposition process in and of itself? And, you know, I think the thing to, rem to remember here is that, you know, we want the decomposition to occur, but we also want a source of organic materials returned into the soil to provide the food that drives that whole process. So from that standpoint, it's important to consider the other side of the equation from the standpoint of the inputs. And our cropping systems are, and, and livestock systems, our main inputs in terms of providing organic materials back into soil. So what are the strategies there that make sense from the standpoint of, of uh, having, you know, uh, more inputs back into the soil, which then feeds the, the soil bi biology that's there and also, you know, serves to build up organic matter and which has all kinds of benefits from the standpoint of physical and, and chemical uh, properties as well. So, so it's, it's really... Uh, it's really a question then of, and the input side of the equation is, is really important and it's not always thought about, you know. So you can think, oh, if I have really good yields because I have a well-fertilized crop and I'm producing lots of biomass and that biomass gets returned, the residues, et cetera, and the straw get returned to soil. And you can think some of our crops like winter wheat do a really good job of this in terms of providing lots of biomass into the soil. Other crops, not so much, even though they provide diversity, like our, our pulse crops, for instance, don't supply as much organic material back into the soil. And actually, our, our winter wheat crop kind of carries the load from the standpoint of being able to provide a lot of the organic matter back into the soil in our current systems. You know, So from that standpoint, you can kind of look over our whole system and you can see kind of strengths and weaknesses from the standpoint of how different crops are, are able to deliver from the standpoint of oh, at least one aspect, organic material. Of course, legumes are, are real important too from the standpoint of, of some of the nitrogen fixation that goes on and, and being able to to um, diversify some of the organisms that we may find in the soil itself that feeds, you know, a very different uh, biology that may be there. So from that perspective, it, it's important as well for different kinds of, of reasons. Very complex uh, issue, soil health. What, what are some of the current research activities you have on, on soil health, trying to find the, the information we yet have to learn? Yeah, well, well, lately we've been trying to look at some of these newer tests. Uh, I mentioned the Salvita test already, but also the Haney test is another one that tries to look at a overall soil health index or score. And um, here, this is kind of the, I would, I would call it the top down approach rather than the bottom up in terms of, of coming up with a number to say, oh, is your soil healthy or not? And if it comes up, oh, it's a high scoring or a high number, then that must be healthier than one that has a, a lower score. And so we've been looking into the into the, the Haney test. And basically, this uses some of these more biological or, or what I would call more active soil organic fractions that tend to cycle pretty quickly and be more associated with the biology of the soil itself. So the Selvita test is used in the, in the Haney score as well as looking at some of the water uh, soluble organic carbon and nitrogen in the soil. And um, these are important because they tend to be kind of indicators of how well this decomposition process is going on as well as how well are we feeding our, our biology that's in the soil itself. So um, um, some of this, you know, from the standpoint of what you'd like to see in terms of a score is uh, whether or not it's 
sensitive to various kinds of management practices that we have out there. In other words, if I have, you know, 20 or 30 years of, of reduced till or, or a, a history of, of more intensive tillage, uh, if I want to compare that to, to say no-till, I want to see, oh, is there a difference in this test? And is it sensitive? And is it something that we can actually interpret to be something that's, that's valuable from the standpoint of are we improving things or not improving things? And um, so we've looked at that perspective for the Haney uh, test, and I'll say it's, a, it's, a, it's an active area of, of current research, but at the same time, the, what we found so far is that, in our case, the, the Haney test doesn't seem to be very sensitive to different kinds of management histories that we have. And so we tend to get low scores overall and not a very wire, wide range of scores either. And so from that uh, standpoint, we haven't found where this is a, is a fit in our particular cropping systems. And that's not to say it's not valuable in another part of the country or in other, some other kind of, of soil besides the ones we're testing them in, right, at, in this case at the, at the, um, the Cook Agronomy Farm that's uh, just outside of, of Pullman here. Uh, so, but in our in our tests to date, we haven't uh, found where that's a, a very a, a very uh, meaningful test from the standpoint of using it to look at diagnostic from a diagnostic perspective in terms of what's what's going on. And so, the other tests also have to do with uh, an, another test that was devised by Haney and coworkers, and that has to do with. Uh, uh, using a, a different kind of extractant for nutrients. And this extractant tries to combine um, uh, some of the, the crop exudates, organic exudates, they're, they're what we call chelators. So it's malate and citrate that actually can grab a hold of nutrients that are in the solution and help make them more available for the plant itself. And so this extractant tries to mimic some of the soil or the plant processes that may be occurring in soil. And so we've been trying to look at that extractant, which is, is currently um, uh, being used for phosphorus, for uh, uh, potassium, for looking at aluminum and iron and calcium and magnesium, um, to try to look at that test to see how it compares to some of our traditional tests as well as as uh, how we might interpret that test and there's um, there definitely are um, our, our farmers that are going through and and um, and collecting soils and and sending their soil samples out to uh, various labs in the country actually to have these kinds of tests done and and we're getting the results back and we're we're scratching our head a little bit from the standpoint of okay so how do we interpret these tests and how do they compare with our traditional tests and do they um, provide a different kind of recommendation from the standpoint of how we should manage our nutrients in this case okay soil health is definitely on a lot of people's minds a uh, big range of growers i know it's a big in the federal uh, nrcs program and it sounds like it's a very interesting area with much new information yet to be determined. So we look forward to hearing more about soil health from you at a future date. Thanks, Dave. Thank you, Drew. Thanks for listening to the WSU Wheat Beat Podcast. If you have questions for us that you'd like to hear addressed on future episodes, please email me at drew.lion at wsu.edu. You can find us online at smallgrains.wsu.edu. You can also find us on social media on Facebook and Twitter at WSU Small Grains. Subscribe to the show through iTunes or your favorite podcasting app. 
The WSU Wheat Beat Podcast is a production of Connors Communications in the College of Agricultural, Human, and Natural Resource Sciences at Washington State University. I'm Drew Lyon. We'll see you next week.